Hey, good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, first of all, thank you for joining us this morning. And let me just give a couple of announcements before we jump in today. First of all, if you are visiting, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you. And so if you want to do that, you can do that in two ways. If you're in person, you might have received a connection card as you came in. Or if you're watching online, you can do it either way through a text to connect. And so that information will come on the screen. You can text VICTORY18 to the number 31996. It'll send you a digital connection card. And again, if you're here in person, you would have got the actual connection card. And if you are here uh, and when service is over, we'd encourage you to take that card filled out or the proof that you did it on your phone to our welcome center. And we got a special gift for you. And the purpose of that gift is just to say thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you for taking the, the, the faith to step out and check out a new church. And we are so glad you're checking us out. We hope that you will enjoy it and choose to join the family. We just want to be able to connect with you. Again, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks and uh, you've, been, you've been here faithfully, but you haven't stepped out to connect yet. We'd encourage you to do that uh, just so we can get to know you a little bit more and tell you more about what's happening here at Victory. Second is if you're looking for a way to give, we have people who every month give faithfully to our church. And because of their faithfulness, we've been able to do some pretty awesome stuff financially in our community. We brag a lot about what we're able to do through outreach and in our community, um, as well as the most recent announcement that we have got a permanent home on the way. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Um, We'll talk more about that as the weeks to come, for sure. But I always like to take a moment and share where your finances are going. So if you're interested to give, we do that three different ways. You can do it through our online portal, which is our website, our app. Uh, you can also do it as through a text to give, the same way you connect. That information will be on the screen. Or as you're leaving today, if you're in person, there'll be an auditorium host with Victory Church Bucket. You can give that way. Uh, one of the most exciting things that we do every year is our Christmas outreach, and it's always evolving depending on what opportunities we have. And uh, because of my connections with the YMCA, we've partnered with them this year. And what we're going to do, I'll have the dates going through social media and email in the next week or so. But what we're going to do, we're going to partner with them in purchasing and wrapping Christmas presents for the families in the Smyrna uh, Domestic Abuse Center. And so there was a Smyrna Domestic Abuse Center. I didn't even know that. My eyes were open to that recently. And we partnered with the YMCA to be able to not only purchase Christmas gifts for them, but then we're going to have a couple of wrapping parties where we encourage you to come and we'll wrap all the presents together and then we'll deliver them to these families and just wish them a merry, merry Christmas. I'm excited about this. We, don't, we can't do it this year, but we'll do it next year. I've made some connections for kind of a Thanksgiving opportunity to be able to feed people. Uh, I, I made the connections to la two, two last minute this year, just had a new relationship build, but next year we'll be able to partner with them as a church. But I just want to encourage you, as you start hearing those announcements, whether you're wanting to give above and extra to that, uh, or whether you're wanting to serve and wrap presents, but here is what I love to say. Because of your faithfulness, uh, each, each gift, is, each family is going to get about $150 worth of Christmas presents. And the YMCA director came to me, I think Friday at the gym, and he said, hey, here's what we're wanting to do. I said, well, what's your goal? And he said, man, he said, to be honest with you, it's brand new. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything too drastic. He said, I think I'm going to set a goal that we can provide for six families as a YMCA and, and YMCA and Victory Partner. I said, all right, great. I tell you what, we'll pay for 10 and you go see if you can get six more. And he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, this is how we roll, bro. It's Victory Church. This is how we roll. You know what I mean? And so, not, so if you want, if you say, hey, we're already, because of your faithfulness, providing for 10 families. But if you say you want to give more, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I was wondering if y'all was awake or not. Um, 
But if you're wanting to give above an extra, let me know and we'll do that. But I do want to encourage you, if you can, to sign up for some of those wrapping parties. It's just a great time to fellowship together and a great time to see where our finances are going and the lives that we're impacting. Amen? Amen. All right. Today is our last growth track of the year. And so right after service, when you leave, there'll be information on how to get their growth track. It's about a 30, 40 minute class where you can go. You learn all about victory. You learn about you and you learn how you belong and can get involved in victory. And so we want to encourage you to do that if you can. Uh, again, we won't do it next year or next month because of Christmas. And so the next one will be sometime in 2022. Is that right? Are we in 2021? In 2022. And so, sorry, it's been a rough couple years. Uh, and so I just encourage you as you're leaving today, and again, it'll be real quick, just go in and be a part of that class so that you can jump on a dream team and be involved all in, in all that God is doing. Um, before we get into the word, as you're leaving today, you're going to be handed one of these cards, and I want to kind of explain it real quick. It is our action step as a church to the series that we're in. Uh, I'm going to talk about it today as well as the next couple of weeks. And what it is, it's calling our church to not only be challenged, but challenging our faith in the, in the idea, in the concept of giving and honoring the Lord with our finances. And so there's two ways to have an action step from a series like this. Uh, and one of the things that we do here at Victory every year is called Purpose Prevails. And that concept is at the end of the year, we challenge those that are tithing, that are already honoring God with their finances. We say, hey, look back on the year, think about how God blessed you, and pray and ask God what you could give and what he would want you to give as a gift above that to the end of the year. And we've seen some pretty phenomenal testimonies because here's what I've learned about, been doing this now since we launched the church, so four years. And at the end of the year, Darla and I always get to the Christmas time and we think, man, we need the money for Christmas. And then we always have enough money for Christmas and we look back on all that God's done and then we sit down and we pray. And here's what I tell our church, pray about it. And if God does not tell you to give in purpose prevails, don't give. I'm not here to, to twist your arm, but if you pray about it and God says to give, you need to give because God's wanting to bless you. And so there's, a, there's an area of that for those of us that already tithe and give, but there's also a new challenge for those who maybe you've never taken that step of faith. You've never give. Maybe you've thrown a 20 in the offering bucket every once in a while, but there's something we're doing called God's guarantee. And again, I'll teach about it over the next few weeks as well as today, but here's the concept. The idea is this, that starting in December, we allow 90 days for you to kind of step out in faith and start tithing to God. And after those 90 days, if God has not blessed you financially, and here's what I mean by blessed. I mean sustained you. I mean showed up miraculous. I don't mean you now have a mansion and a Ferrari, okay? Um, if after those 90 days, you, have, you cannot step back and say, man, God has sustained me, we will give you 100% of the money that you've tithed over those 90 days back. Now, here's what's important about that in this card. There's check boxes you got to check because we have to be able to follow that giving. What we don't need is somebody coming up going, I'm pretty sure I gave you 10 grand over the past three months. And we're like, we're pretty sure you didn't, okay? Uh, so we just want to be able to challenge you and encourage you. But we also want to come alongside you because we understand, especially as new believers, sometimes that's a hard step of faith to take. And I believe the Bible when, it, when God says to test me in the financial way. And so that's the way we do it. You test God. And I'm just believing for some phenomenal testimonies. And so when you get this card, here's what's gonna, you're going to see a top half for Purpose Prevails. Those are for those that are already tithing, already trusting God financially. Then you'll see the bottom half for those who want to take this challenge and start tithing. Again, it just has information and it has an opportunity to put your name and address. Here's why. Why do I need to put my name and address? You don't necessarily have to. 
but I'm wanting to come alongside of you over the next 90 days and encourage you and walk this faith out with you, and I can't do that if I don't know you're doing it, okay? So when you do it, it allows me to know it. I now can be in contact with you through email and through phone calls and just say, hey, we're doing this together. Um, one exciting thing, those of you that will be given to Purpose for Veils, Every year we've taken up that offering and then we've gone and put it into different things that we've done throughout the next year. But this year we'll be putting 100% of it towards the new building. So we'll be buying our sign, chairs, and all the things that we need to do to get that building ready so that in the beginning of the new year we can launch and start having church there. And so that's really exciting to be able to say that not only are we taking up this love offering, but we're turning around and putting it back into the building that God's blessed us with. So I'm excited about it. I really encourage you to take this card, talk to your family, talk to your spouse, talk to your friends, pray about it, make a decision, and then we want to do our best to come alongside of you and watch God bless you in this process. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Uh, the reason why I wanted to call it The Greatest Adventure, because I believe that not only is tithing and trusting God with your finances a biblical principle that, of course, comes through us honoring God, but I also believe it takes us on an adventure with God. And I believe we get to experience things financially. We get to experience miracles that a lot of people don't get to experience because they don't trust God with their finances. And so not only are we giving through this series the biblical foundation, but I'm also showing you different areas where God does something crazy and people get to experience not only an adventure, but the greatest adventure. I said last week that I think the greatest adventure of our life is following Jesus Christ after we accept him as our personal savior. But I think the adventure inside the adventure is trusting God with our finances. And so if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. So you got Genesis and then Exodus. Turn to Exodus chapter 16. You can do it on your phone or if you have your paper, paper Bible, or it'll be on the screen, of course, as always, if you just want to follow along. Uh, let me give a little bit of context as, what to, as what is happening in Exodus before we jump into it. You may have heard the story, it's pretty popular, where God uh, sets free the children of Israel from the, the slavery of Pharaoh, and they then begin to follow Moses, and the Red Sea splits, and they go through the Red Sea, and then they end up in the wilderness for about 40 years following God. That's where we are. It's what we're picking up on, and so the Israelites are following God, and something happened last week that we talked about that you'll see again this week, and that was the idea that God says, hey, these people need to eat food. So they don't have food. They've, they've escaped from slavery and they're on the run and they're, they're mumbling and grumbling because they need food. And God says, I'm going to give you quail at night from, from the skies. Quail birds will drop onto the ground for you at night. And in the morning, I'm going to put out bread from heaven for you. And so that's where we're going to start reading Exodus 16. We're going to read about seven verses and then we'll get into it. It says, the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Aren't you glad that God hears our grumbling, right? Anybody, anybody in here grumbled recently? All right, thank you. I'm just glad you're honest because I certainly have. Um, tell them that at twilight you'll eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I want to pause there for a second. Andrew, you don't have to go back, but I, I said this last week. I want to say it again. They have seen God split the Red Sea for them and he says, because I'm going to provide for you in a resourceful way, then you will know I am the Lord your God. What does that mean? That means that you and I can see miracles before our eyes, but there's something that happens when something happens with our financial life that really steps up our faith in God. So it says that evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. I'm going to talk about this specifically next week, so it's pretty cool. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost, frosted flakes, were on the ground, and they appeared on the desert floor. 
And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? What is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Now we talked last week that it wasn't bread in the form of bread. It was seed. And they then had to take that seed, go back, crush it and bake it and make the bread. This is what the Lord has commanded, that everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer of each person that you have in your tent. For the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. Now they did that based off of the size of their family. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much. And the one that gathered little did not have too little. Because again, they're gathering seed, right? So they don't necessarily know how much they're going to bake. And we'll talk about that in a second. For everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. My title for you this morning is God is bad at math. He's terrible at it. Um, anybody in here remember your first job? Do you remember the first job you ever had? And I don't mean like you rake leaves or you babysit kids. I'm talking about the first job you had where you got a paycheck, where you had like a pay stub and the government took some of your money, right? Like y'all remember that? Uh, my first job was a job at a place called Putt-Putt Golf and Games in Memphis, Tennessee. In case you're not familiar with it, it is, it's literally what it sounds like. It's putt-putt, uh, water boats and go-karts and all this kind of stuff. I don't remember how old I was. I was fairly young, but a friend had told me about it, and here's what the job was. Uh, there was this summer activity they did called summer picnics, and what happened is businesses would come into Putt-Putt, and they would rent out Putt-Putt on a weekend, so on a Saturday or on a Sunday, and they would do a company picnic. And so with that company picnic, they got a pavilion. It was their pavilion, and they got food and drinks and stuff under there, and then they were given wristbands, and they could go do all of the activities of Putt-Putt Golf and Games for free, depending on what they had paid for in their package. So Putt-Putt paid extra staff. So I wasn't a regular employee. I was like kind of like a part-time employee. They paid extra staff to come in and our only job was to work those picnics. And so we might put out drinks or put out food or we might be extra help in the putt-putt area or extra help in the water area. And, and this was my first time, again, you know, I had had my parents give me money and I, I'd done little things around the house to where you get 20 bucks here or there, but I had never been given an actual check. And, and before you're ever given an actual check, I think something subliminally happens to you where you think money operates different than it actually does. You know what I mean? Like you don't quite have your mind around it. So I remember my dad drove me to Putt-Putt uh, for the, the, the first time that we were picking up my check. I think we got our checks like on Tuesday. And I want to say they were for like a two-week time frame, okay? We worked Saturday and Sunday. And then so basically four days of work. And we're driving to Putt-Putt. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to buy so much stuff with this. Like I'm about to get paid. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be rolling in the dough. My dad's going to need to borrow money from me to be able to pay for rent. Like, I'm going to be rich. Like, what am I going to do? Do I get a cell phone? Do I get a car? Do I pay all my friends' tuitions? Like, what, what do I do with this millions of dollars that Putt-Putt's about to trust to Troy because I've worked really hard? And so I go in. I get my check. I get back in my dad's truck. I tear open the envelope. I pull it out, and I cannot wait to see how many zeros are on it. And I spin it around. And my very first check was for exactly $42 and some change. Big time. I remember asking my dad, like, what, what's all this money they took from me? Like, I don't understand. Like, how are they taking money from me? And he's explaining to me taxes. And I just remember thinking, like, this wasn't even worth the work that I did. You know what I mean? Like, I would have rather just not had 
$42 and been at home playing video games for the past couple weekends. And when I looked at it and I thought about all that I had done and I thought about how much they were paying me, I was like, man, this just doesn't add up. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, I'm sorry, it just doesn't add up. And it, and it got me thinking that all throughout the Bible, God is specific with numbers. If you talk about the building of the temple, if you talk about the building of the ark, you talk about the fish fry that Jesus had with Peter after he resurrected, he is specific with numbers. Yet for some reason, when it comes to God's miracles, his math just doesn't quite add up. I, I don't really know how to explain it because he's so specific. When he told Noah about the ark, it was very specific. When he talked about the temple, it was very specific. When he had a fish fry with Peter, he literally knew how many fish were there to the number. He was so specific. Yet when he steps in and starts doing these miracles that involve numbers, he gets his math all kinds of upside down. It just doesn't add up. And I think one of the reasons for us is this. Are you ready? Because we like to measure God's miracles by our metric system. That's what we expect, that God should do his miracles, but we should be able to make sense of them, that in our metric system, they should be able to add up. In Exodus chapter 16, God provides for the children of Israel from sending quail at night, falling from the sky, and bringing bread or seed, as we talked about last week, in the morning. When you read in the book of Numbers chapter 11, there is kind of a parallel to this story giving you more information. And one of the things that Numbers 11 tells you is that each person was able to get no less than 10 omers of quail per person, okay? So per person left, it said no less, which means some got more, but no one had less than 10 omers of quail per person. An omer ends up being about 200 liters. And so when you do the math, are you ready for this? When you count all the people that were there and you count how much quail they got, it means that God allowed 105 million quail to fall from the sky per night. Think about that. 105 million quails. You imagine coming out at night? And it's like, you know, bird box, right? They're just like all falling or, or, I don't know, that bird movie where they're all just everywhere. Like, and I mean, a hundred, you couldn't walk without walking on quail. That could be a rap song, walking on quail. I'm a, where's Bree at? Make that a worship song right now, walking on quail. But it made me think about this. God doesn't just provide in dramatic fashion. He also provides in dramatic proportion. Whether it's walking on water or turning water into wine. Whether it's raising Lazarus from the dead or providing a multitude of food for a bunch of people. Whether it's splitting the Red Sea or raining 105 million quail from the sky. God doesn't just do his miracles in a dramatic fashion. He does them in a dramatic portion. And we as children of God have to learn to embrace that. We have to learn to get to a place where we understand that what God does in a financial aspect, he's going to do it in a dramatic proportion. Therefore, when it comes to you, it will not add up. And according to your mathematics, God's terrible at it. And so when it comes to our financial life, I want to talk to you about what happens when we're adding God 
to the equation. What happens when we bring God into our financial life? Let's go back to Exodus chapter 16 for a moment, and I want to read these verses, and i got to explain to you what you don't see here. It says, the Israelites did as they were told. That's important. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, and when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little, for everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. The Lord showed me this week that it was actually a miracle inside of the miracle. Because imagine this. They basically went outside and gathered the ingredients that they needed to be able to make the food that they were going to eat. But I don't know about you. It's really hard to measure an ingredient and how much it's going to produce. It's still in seed form. So it's kind of hard for them to know how much the seed is going to make. It's not like they could go out and go, oh, I need 10 rolls. I'll grab 10 rolls. They went out and got seed and went, man, I hope this makes 10 rolls. And the Bible said the one that gathered much, it wasn't too much. And the one who gathered little, it wasn't too little. What does that mean? The miracle was God providing, but then there was a miracle inside the miracle that not only would there be out there, but that they could go out and supernaturally get enough. They could get a handful of it and not have any clue if it's enough. But yet they went back to camp, and by a miraculous aspect of God, it was enough. What does that mean? When we trust God, when we follow God's instructions, please listen. What you gather, you will not know if it's enough. But if you trust God, it's guaranteed to be enough. I can't tell you how many people told me during 2020 that they were worried because they felt like they were no longer in control. And every person I looked in the face and I said, when were you ever in control? You thought you were. There's not a person in here that couldn't lose their job tomorrow. Not a person in here that couldn't wreck their car tomorrow. We're not in control, but we think we are. But when we follow God's instructions, Here's what God's promise is to you and me. If you will follow my instructions, you will have everything that you need. That's what I want to trust. I want to wake up in the morning knowing that regardless of what happens in this world today, the one who I'm entrusting my life to is not phased. The only one who knew what was going to happen and knows how it's going to end. I want to trust him. I want to go out and gather the best that I can Go home and go, I don't know if it's enough. And then God say, did you follow my instructions? Yes, I did. I honored you with my finances. Then it will be enough. Thank you again. Today's going to be a good day. It won't be too much and it won't be too little. I wanted to do some research, so I looked up all these different studies on the top reasons that people don't tie. They don't trust, their God with, don't trust God with their finances. And the top three, and all of the different choices, there was one thing that kept popping up in the top three, and it was this. I cannot afford it. Can't afford it. And it got me thinking that a lot of us, well, let's put it like this. Some of us have an addition mindset when it comes to tithing. Our mindset is that now that if, I, if I'm going to give to God, it's adding another bill to my list of already bills, right? That, that's our mindset. Like, I've already got to pay this and pay that and pay this, and now I've got to pay God, you know, a certain amount of money. Now, now God's on my payroll, which is a really terrible way of looking at tithe. But now I'm, I'm adding him, right? I'm, I'm adding him to the equation, and now, now I have less money. Some of us have a subtraction mindset. 
that says, oh, tithing now is less. Now I have less to work with. I went from working with 100% of my finances, and now I'm only working with 90% of my finances, and I could barely live off 100% of my finances. So how am I ever going to live off of 90%? It's a subtraction mindset. Some of us have a division mindset, and what we do is we split everything up like a pie chart. And this goes here, and this goes here, and this goes here, and this goes here. And to us, tithing is just adding another piece of pie to the pie chart. Now, not only do I got to put it there, and I got to put it there, and I got to put it there, I gotta put it, now I got to put it here. And here's what this message has to communicate to you. That trusting God with your finances is not about subtraction, and it's not about division, and it's not even about addition. It's about multiplication. When we trust God with our finances... It is not you having an additional mindset. It's not you having a subtraction mindset. It's not even you having a division mindset. It's having a multiplication mindset. Let me tell you what I mean. I'll never forget the very first time I ever gave financially to the church. Many of you know my story. I got saved around 17, 18 years old at a church in Memphis. Uh, pastor Ron Woods was the pastor at the time. He is my pastor to this day. He will be in town in March of next year to preach at our brand new building. It's just going to be an incredible, incredible time. I can't wait for y'all to meet him. He, I love him to death. Um, and, and I had started going. I would gotten saved in the youth group, and I was going often on Wednesday night to youth. And I don't remember there being a lot of financial talk. I'm sure there was because the youth pastor was phenomenal. But I don't remember a lot of that, so I don't, I don't think I ever gave to the youth group. But I remember the youth group, also known as the church, paying my way to camps, paying my way to summer events. They were always paying my way, but I wasn't giving anything to them. All right? That's a whole other sermon. But I started going on Sunday mornings, and they would have an offering time, a time where it would either be taught about or you know, talked about for a few moments, and the baskets would come. We don't do that here. We don't pass the baskets, but they would do that. They'd pass, y'all know what I'm trying, like the offering bucket or the offering basket would come by. So I had never given financially to the church or to God or whatever. I'd never done that before. Remember, I was making a, a big time $42 every two weeks. You know what I mean? And so I'm sitting in church one day, and I don't remember if he preached on it. I don't remember if it was just an offertory talk. But something happened in me. And I can tell you now what it was, but I didn't know then because I was very new to the Lord. But it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I didn't know that then, um, but that's what it was. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you need to give in this offering. And I thought, there's no way you would talk to me like that, God. You know? And so I grabbed my wallet. And here's, here's this moment. Y'all have all been there. I grabbed my wallet. As I'm grabbing my wallet, I'm like, please let there be a $5 bill in here. You know what I'm talking about? Like, let there be the least amount of sacrifice that I can make possible and just give something and I can walk out of this building feeling like, well, at least I did what you told me to do, God, you know? So I open it up and boom, two $20 bills is the only thing that was in the wallet. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. I have to give you $20? This is half of my salary. You know what I mean? This is huge, like $20. And then again, clear as day up at the Holy Spirit, go, no, you don't. You got to give me $40. I said, get behind me, Satan. No way. And I wasn't going to do it. And that, you know, I was kind of probably about midway. I wasn't saved enough to sit in the front row yet. I was still kind of about midway. I wasn't in the back, but I was kind of midway. And so I was watching the offering baskets, you know, coming through. And I got this like crazy pressure. I'm putting on myself. I'm like, God, I need to, I'm going to, what am I going to do? You know, I'm kind of like itching and scratching. Like, what am I going to do? It's coming, it's coming. And I'm like, I'd finally convinced myself to give 20. I'm like, I'm going to give the 20. I get to keep 20. God, that's fair. You get and I get. We both got. We're good, right? And again, as it's coming, it's like, nope, nope. You need to give 40. You need to give 40. And I mean, it was, I couldn't even control it. It's like, it was some, probably some sweet old lady who's like, you want 
a gift to Jesus, you know? And I was like, yes, ma'am. And I grabbed both 20s out and I put them in the basket and the basket went. And I was like, oh, how are we going to pay the bills? Tell my dad we can't eat this week. And I remember the whole service, I was like in this weird mixed emotion. And I don't know if you've ever been there. Part of it was like really excited that I had done what God told me to do. The other part of me was really upset because now I wasn't going to be able to buy any clothes that week. And it was kind of this weird twist of emotion. Like, like depending on what was happening, if we were singing a worship song, I was like, God, I'm faithful. And then my friend would come and be like, you want to go grab lunch? And I'm like, I can't afford it. It was this really weird, like mixed emotion. Now, to tell you the full story, I got to pause for a second and tell you what was going on in my life. I, uh, I love clothes, still do. And uh, I had get my, gotten my paycheck and I'd went and bought clothes and I'd went to the Burlington Coat Factory in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'd bought all these clothes, my, the paycheck before that paycheck. And something had happened. I either didn't try them on or I didn't like the way they looked on me or whatever. So I was planning to return all those clothes. I'm talking a bag full of clothes. I had gone to Burlington Coat Factory to return them and they said, you need the receipt to return them. And I didn't have the receipt. So they said, that's fine. We can give you store credit. And I was like, I don't want store credit. I want my money. You know what I mean? And they said, well, without our receipt, you can't have your money. It's our money. And I was like, okay, great. So that had happened a couple weeks leading up to the Sunday I'm telling you about. So go back. Uh, church, And I, I kept the bag of clothes in the back seat of my car, right? Because I was waiting. Was looking, I looked everywhere for the receipt. Could not find the receipt. So church ends. I'm fellowshipping with people. I'm leaving. Even as I'm walking to my car, I'm like, battling on the inside of me like, man, I just, oh, I cannot believe I did that. And my routine was I'd go to my car to open the back door. I'd put my Bible in the back seat, close the door, and I'd leave church. I get to my car, I open the back door. I go to put my Bible down, and that bag of clothes is in the way. So I reach in, and I move the bag over. And when I do that, there's a receipt sitting in the, in the seat of my car. And I looked at my car a hundred times. I looked in my bedroom. I looked everywhere. I, didn't, I was like, what is that? So I pick it up, and it's a Burlington Coat Factory receipt. I'm like, no way. I was like, how much was it? Flipped it around, $83 and some change. Now, I don't know if you guys are good at math, but I gave 40 and God gave me back 80. See what I mean? Now, listen, don't go giving money and then walking out of here expecting for double of it to be in your seat. (laughs) But the reason God had to do that is because he was teaching me something. He was teaching me that just because I think I'm gonna do without that if I will trust him with what I have, he will find ways to multiply what I have to make sure that I'll get what I need. When it comes to any part of our life, especially our finances, especially, something miraculous happens when we add God to the equation. I'm just letting you know, and I'm trying to talk to you friend to friend, trying to talk to you as someone who's walked this journey and has had times where it was very difficult And now is in a season where it's not difficult at all because I've seen God be faithful. And so now I am in a difficult difficult season. I'm in a season where I'm asking God what the sacrificial offering is for me. I don't ask him anymore, can I tithe? That's not my issue anymore. Tithing is automatic for me because I've seen God's faithfulness and I'm in that place with my finances. But there's always a challenge of faith to see if we'll go to the better level, to see if we'll expect God for more. So God says, now what are you believing for? We have to understand, if you add God to any equation in your life, any equation, something miraculous happens. 
In the, in the month of January, I'm going to preach to you out of my heart from vision and this building, and you're going to see just how incredible God is in the miracle working world. That's going to be about other parts of our life. But I need to talk to you about your financial life and understand that when you add God to the equation, something miraculous happens. The widow who literally didn't have enough flour or oil to feed her family. She told the prophet, I'm going to feed my boy one more time and we're going to sit here and we're going to die because we don't have any more food. When she added God to the equation, not only did she all of a sudden have enough flour and oil to feed her and her son and the prophet, she filled up all of the jars that she had collected from her neighbors. The Bible actually says it stopped pouring when she ran out of jars. What does that mean? The moment you stop allowing God to be the one in charge of your finances, the flowing stops. But as long as you allow it to open, I'm talking right now to tithers in this purpose prevail aspect. The more you open it up to God, the more it flows. But the second you get scared and fearful and you stop, it stops flowing. Water into wine. They didn't have enough wine for the wedding. But they add God to the equation, and he's turning all of the foot baths into the top-notch wines. Elijah didn't have enough army, but he adds God to the equation, and now they're surrounded by a chariot of fire. There's not enough food to feed the 5,000. They add God to the equation, and they're going home with leftovers. What am I telling you? Whatever area of our life that we add God to, something miraculous happens. Am I right? All right, I'll test you this way. If you have had God do something miraculous in another part of your life because when you got saved, when you added him to the equation, let me hear you. Just make a noise real quick. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Why would he stop here? If he did it here, then why when you say, well, what about my finances? He'd be like, nah, I don't really work with that. Doesn't make any sense. But the enemy has been so good at putting us in an addition, subtraction, or division mindset that we say, God, I really, we love God. It has nothing to do with whether or not you love Jesus. It has nothing to do with it. It's simply because there's something in you that fears I do not have enough. Listen to me. You will never be asked to outgive God because you can't. There will never be a moment in your life where you can outgive God, so you'll never be asked to. But, and here was a revelation for me that I loved getting, but when we honor God with our finances, watch this, we will be able to outgive what we have. Now, if you have any kind of education, that statement doesn't make a lot of sense. How is it that I can outgive what I have? How can I give? more than what I have. And that, my friends, is my point. Is that when you honor God with your finances, not only is it a whole separate relationship building aspect of faith, but you will be able to outgive what it is you actually have. In our small group Thursday night, one of the ladies in our small group, sweet friend of mine, she's given her testimony. And she talks about this situation that she was in in her life. And she said, when I did the math, I was paying about $3,000 a month to be able to sustain that. And she looked at us in the eye and she said, and I wasn't making that. How are you able to outgive what you don't have? 
How am I able to give what I don't physically have? So glad you asked. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. This is the story of feeding the 5,000. In case you're not familiar with the story, let me give you a real quick education. Jesus decides he's going, to t- he's going to teach, he's going to minister to 5,000 men, okay? The Bible gives us the number, 5,000 men. What the Bible says in a little bit of a footnote is that the man probably had a wife and up to three to four kids. So in reality, the math is more about 25,000 people. But because we don't have literal proof of that, we're just going to stick with 5,000 because it says 5,000. But I'm just letting you know in the back of your mind, it's really 25,000. So whoever you think God is, he's actually five times greater, okay? Just letting you know. So he talks, he talks beyond sunset. Now people are getting worried. The disciples want everybody to go home. They got a long walk to their house to be able to eat dinner. The disciples come up with a plan. They walk up to Jesus and say, Jesus, we need to cut this thing short. You've talked for way too long. These people need to eat. We need to leave. Jesus then looks at them and here's what Jesus says. They do not need to go away. They don't need to leave. You give them something to eat. <laughs> you imagine that moment? Like, well, Jesus, that's not what I was saying. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> You, you, you're, you're Jesus. No, no, you give them something to eat. Here's their response. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, if you don't know the story, there was a little boy there who had a sack of lunch because his mom was a planner and she sent him with some lunch. It was five loaves of bread, two fish. And the disciples say they took it from him because they're thieves. And so I'm just kidding there. But they say, this is all we got. This is all we got. Jesus says, bring it here to me. And then when you skip a couple verses, it says that he took it, he broke it, he offered it up to God, and he blessed it. And then here's what happened. Watch this. They all ate. Now, that's a big deal when it's 5,000. It's even a bigger deal when it's 25,000, okay? They all ate, and what were they? Satisfied. Here's what that means. They weren't trying to, like, they weren't eating a cracker and going, are you good? Going, yeah, I'm good. I can see my ribs, but I'm good. They were full. Right? They were like you or what you will be in a couple of days when you're sitting on the couch, you know what I mean, and you're unbuttoning pants. They were, they were satisfied. And then, just because I think, I've always said that God is a G, and so I think that this is why he did this. And then the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. They had five loaves of bread. They had two fish. I don't know about you. I wouldn't consider myself fat but I would consider myself healthy. (laughs) Also consider myself a bread lover. We know this about me. Five pieces of bread, five rolls, and two pieces of catfish is my lunch. Not 25,000 people's lunch. But somehow, they had five pieces of bread, they had two pieces of fish, and again, I'll be very literal with the numbers we see, 5,000 people ate dinner, and they had 12 baskets of leftovers. How do you give what you do not have? How did they give dinner to 5,000? Look, I know this is a cute story that we did on felt boards, but let's just think about it for a second. How do five? thousand people. And there's kids there. How many of you have kids right now? How many of them eat you out of a house and home? Raise your hand. I would have been like, they can eat, but take your little snotty nose kids somewhere else. They're not eating this, right? How does that happen? How does that many people eat when this is all they have? Because God blessed it. 
How can we outgive what we don't have? Because God blesses it. Listen to me. To you and me, five plus two equals what? You don't have to have a high education for that. Five plus two equals seven. I love this so much I made Amber make me a shirt out of it. But to God, five plus two equals 5,000 and a remainder of 12. It messed me up so much, because I'm good at math. I'm not good at any other subject in school, but I'm good at math. And it messed me up. I said, God, you are terrible at math. And here's what God told me. You ready? So good. If you don't get anything else, go home and preach this from the rooftops. God said, what you like to do is you like to let the problem determine the solution. So wait a minute, what do you mean? He said, remember when you were in school and somebody said, work out this math what? Problem. What's the math problem? Do you know what the math problem is in this equation? Anybody know? What's the math problem? Huh? Five plus two. That's the math what? So we look at it, and here's what we do. Here's what we teach our kids. Y'all are in in high school, right? Or middle school. That's what I mean. You look look 37 sitting on the front row. What am I going to say? Your mom's 26. You're 37. I'm just kidding. You're beautiful. I was hoping my daughter was going to be here. I was going to rag her, but she's not. So you're my second daughter, so I'm going to rag you. Okay. What was I going with this? Um, thank you. Okay, so you're in school. The teacher comes to you and says, what is five plus two? What do you do in your head? I'm asking her because y'all are too old to remember. What, what do you do in your head? How did you, how did you get there? Count. <laughs> she's like, idiot, duh. Okay, so, so I'll, I'll help you because I understand it's difficult. You, you went one, two, three, four, five, five. What was it teach? Two plus two. One, two. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's seven, teacher. Because you let the problem determine the solution. Here's what God said. God said, I figure out what the solution is. Then I don't really care what the problem is. See what I mean? What what do I need? You need 5,000 dinners. Okay, but I also like to, you know, mess with my disciples, so I'll throw in 12 leftovers. So I need 5,000 dinners and 12 leftovers. That's the solution. Okay, so let's think about this. You need like, you need 500 dinners times 10, and Jesus is like, I don't really care what the problem is. You figure that out. Well, all we got, sure, five, two, great, whatever, I don't care, because I don't operate by your metric system. I'm a God of solutions. I'm not a God of problems. I'll bring the solution. I don't care what the problem is. Whatever, oh, I got this bill and I got that bill. I don't care what the problem is. I'm a God of solutions. So the solution is 5,000 meals and 12 baskets of leftovers. But five plus two, Jesus, don't make that. I don't care because when I give it to my father, it's blessed. Watch this. The the, the real secret in Matthew chapter 14 is the progression. So let me show you what it does. Jesus said, give. They say, this is all we have. Jesus says, bring it to me. It's the progression. Jesus said, give. Their response was what? We don't have. What did I just say was one of the top reasons people won't give to God? 
We don't have it. Jesus said, great. I'm really glad you don't have it. So therefore, bring it to me. And when you bring it to me, I'll bless it. And when I bless it, it'll multiply. And here's what I realized, that the secret is where you start. The secret to this, to being able to honor God with our finances, to be able to see God's blessing in our finances, it's all about where we start. What did Jesus say? Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Now, it's not in my sermon, but I'm going to tell you this real quick. The food didn't multiply until it got to the hands of the disciples. I don't want you to think that Jesus took it, it multiplied in Jesus' hand, and then he gave it to the disciples, and they already knew. Jesus took it, he blessed it, because he had instructions, he had a plan, then he put it back in their hands, and then through their hands it multiplied. That goes back to last week when I told you that what's in your hand with your resources is seed, and you get to decide what you make of it. And if you allow God to bless it, not only will it meet your needs, but it's gonna go out and meet the needs of others, and it has a way of supernaturally coming back around and meeting your needs again. My problem here is I gotta preach to you something I can't explain. You know what I mean? Thank you. I'm going to run off the stage. Where's Chris? Get my tambourine. <laughs> but watch what Proverbs says. Chapter 3, verse 9, 10. Watch this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. I said a little bit last week that that's all about us giving the first 10% of our finances to God. The tithe is the first 10%. And there's a little word right after that. What's that word? Can y'all see that right after crops? What's that word? Then. Then. Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be brimmed over with new wine. It's all about where you start. When you give God the first fruits, then there's this multiplication process. So I wanted to show you this. So I said, hey, I'll bring bread because your brother likes bread, so why not? So, so just for the sake of math, we're going to use 10 rolls, all right? So, so 10 rolls, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten. It's ten rolls. Okay? I'm gonna need your help in a second. Ten percent is what the Bible <laughs> They're like, throw it. Ten percent is what the Bible says. We taught last week that tenth means test. That's why it's ten percent, because it's the test, right? So ten percent of ten is what? One. Okay. You're gonna be Jesus for a minute. So come here, let me hand you that roll. Tell you what, you hold on to that. I'll give you one to eat. Don't worry. Just hang on to that. Don't don't eat it yet. We still need it. This is what the, here's what the Bible teaches. When I give God the first, notice I gave him the first, right? So I still have nine. When I give God the tithe, watch this. Now God can bless the rest. Now that God has the first, God can bless the rest. Does that make sense? All right, now hold on, let me see that. Let me bring it back. Don't worry, I got yours coming, don't worry. Okay. Here's what happens when God's not first. We go, I got to pay the rent. Take that. Don't go nowhere. Stay right there. Got to pay for my car. Here we go. Thank you. All right. Got to pay for insurance. There we go. Got to have insurance. Get right. Let's see. Uh, got to pay for all my kids' stuff. So let's take that. And we know you, so let's give two for that. All right. There we go. Okay. Obviously, we got to have groceries. So we got to have that. Here, take that. All right. All right. And then let's see. Well, not only we groceries, but... I got to go get some cheese dip, you know, throughout the week. Every once in a while, so you got to take that. All right, there you go. All right, uh, let's see what else. Oh, 
Got to have a cell phone, because what would I do in life without a cell phone, okay? So, got to pay for that. All right, anything else? Anybody got any, anything else you pay for? Huh? I can't hear. What? Text? Gas. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Gas. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Anything else? Entertainment. Entertainment. All right. So we got Netflix. We got Hulu. We got Disney Plus. We got uh, who? Golf. Okay. I'm really bad at golf, so that's two. What else? HBO Max. All right, anything else? You better not say Showtime. I'm just kidding. All right, anything else? Anything else? What? Anything else? Okay. Uh, all right, Darla. Okay, Darla some more. Darla some more. Okay, so take it, and here we go. Just, now you're good. Just, there, 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 there you go. There you go. All right, all right, you bless. All right, now watch this. Watch this. All right, God. Bless the rest. God's like, what? But here's the secret. God's not mad at you. I don't want you to walk out of here going, well, God hates me because I don't give fun. God's not mad at you. God loves you. So here's what he's saying. I really want to bless you. But that's all that's left. And I'll use it. But how much more could he have done if we would have allowed him to bless the rest? But when we're given all this stuff first and we get down, and let's be honest, it ain't even this. Right? And the whole principle of what God's saying is if you'll trust me, then I will bless the rest. And I will do with the nine what you could never do with the ten. That's important for you to hear. If you think you can't afford to tithe, listen to me, you can't afford not to tithe. And God will do more with nine than you could ever do with 10. I'll tell you one story and I'll close. Hey, you can have all this. Merry Christmas. Make sure you share it with Nico. There you go, put it in there. There you go, drop it. Hallelujah. God's multiplying. Hallelujah. Look, your shirt's all dirty. God is so good. I tell you what, I'll buy you a new shirt from Old Navy. Multiplication, baby! Multiplication. Make sure Nick pays for that sweater from Old Navy. Here we go. All right. I'm kidding. I got you, boo. So there's a pastor. He lives in Texas. He tells this story. It's so phenomenal. I'm going to share it, and then we'll close. He was a traveling evangelist, speaking evangelist. So he'd come into churches, and he'd speak. And uh, he had a certain amount of money that he needed to survive for the month, right? Like, just like we all do, budget. And God told him one time to quit asking for a certain, quit demanding like a certain amount of money to come. God told him to start trusting. So he would tell people, I'll come for whatever, whatever it is that your love offering is. He used to say that and gas. God said, stop asking for gas. So he told this young church, they asked him to come in and speak. He said, I'll come for whatever, whatever, no, no, no expectation. So the guy said on the phone, the pastor said, great, because I'm not sure we could pay you anything. This gentleman took off going there, couldn't even afford gas. He stopped at the gas station. He walked in the gas station. The woman behind the cash register, the minister did. The woman behind the cash register said, you know, I don't need your money. He said, excuse me? She said, when you pulled up, God told me to pay for your gas. All right? Just the beginning. He gets in the car, goes, drives to the church. Gets to church. He preaches that night. 
night's over, they take up a love offering, the pastor brings the check to him, and the pastor's so excited, he goes, we've never given this much as a church. This is so awesome. He hands the check to the man, the pastor. The pastor opens it up to the penny. He said it's dollars and change. It's the exact amount he needed for the month because this was his only speaking engagement, right? Faithfulness of God. As he sees it, the pastor's jumping up down. He's excited. The pastor looks up, looks over the pastor of the church's shoulder and sees the missionary who had spoke a little bit that night and hears God say, give that check to the missionary. And he says, God, this is, this is for me. <laughs> like you made this out to the penny for me. You're, 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 you're messed up in the head. You're not thinking right. So he takes the check. He goes over to the missionary, puts the check in the missionary's hand. He says, don't tell anybody I did this. Don't look at the check till you, till you leave. God bless you. Gets done, walks out of the church. There's a bunch of people standing in a circle talking. They invite him and his wife to come have pizza. He said, sure, I'd go to pizza with him. He said, I'm broke. I can't pay for anything. You know, maybe they'll bless me. So they go to the pizza restaurant. They sit down. The way they sit down, they put his wife at the end of the table. They put him at the other end of the table. The men are by him. The women are by her. Everybody starts talking about sports and stuff. And he said, there's this one guy right here across from me who's just looking at me. He said, I had never met him. I'd met him one time before, but I'd never had a conversation with him. He said, the guy leaned over to me and said, how much was the love offering? And he said, I was a little taken back by it. He said, but I said, it's great. <laughs> he said, where's the check? And he said, I told him, he said, at the time, I panicked. I really didn't know what to say. He said, so I heard myself say, my wife has it. And so the guy said, oh yeah, go get it. So the pastor telling the story said he got up and he walked to the other end of the table and he leaned over to his wife and he said, hey, how's, how's your pizza? Is your pizza good? Okay, all right, great. He said, what was I going to say? She don't have it. So he said, I went back to the table and I sat down and the guy leaned over and he said, where is it? He said, oh, she, she left it in the car. And he said, oh yeah, go get it. And he said, at that point, I didn't know what to say. He said, the guy leaned over close to me and he goes, it's not in the car, is it? And the pastor said, no, where is it? <laughs> He said, you know so much, then where is it? The guy talking to him said, you gave it away, didn't you? The pastor said, yes, you know, yep. I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want anybody to think it was some kind of thing to get me attention. He said, but yeah, the Lord told me to give it away. He said, that's what I thought. He said, before I ever came to church, and I said, I don't go to this church. He said, but I've heard of you. And he said, when I heard you were coming to speak, the spirit of the Lord told me to come here. And he said, before I ever got here, he told me to write a check. And he said, the man pulls a check out of his shirt, hands it to him like this. The pastor said he went to grab it and the guy didn't let it go. And he said, the guy looked at him. He said, God's about to teach you the secrets of what he does with finances so that you can teach the world. He let go of that check and the guy took the check. He looked at it to the penny. It was 10 times the check he had got at the church where he had preached. You can give God praise for that. This guy goes on to tell about how they ended up giving that money away, bought people cars, gave their cars away. They'd give a car away. God gave them two cars. They'd give a house away. God gave them two houses. He said at one point he had given away all of his savings, all of his 401k, his house, his cars. The story is phenomenal. If you want to know all of it, I'll give you the details how to listen to it. And he said, I literally found myself at a point where I looked up and I said, this is him talking. He said, God, you know how people say you can't outgive you? And he said, he felt God say, yeah. He said, I think I got you this time. He said, as soon as I said it, my phone rang. He said, I went over and I picked up the phone. I said, hello. He said, it was a friend of mine. He said, Robert. He said, I just got a word from the Lord that I'm supposed to help you get to any of your speaking engagements. So I bought you a plane. 
He said, I'm going to pay for the gas, the insurance, the pilot. Whenever you want to go somewhere, just let me know. He ended up saying, they ended up giving the plane away. He's learned this concept that you cannot outgive God. But it's not about us getting to this place where we have all this stuff. It's about us being fulfilled and having what we need so that God can use us to get to others what they need. But if we live in this spirit of fear of I don't have enough, guess what? You'll never have enough. I'll never forget, my wife gave me the wisest words ever. She was talking about having a baby, and I said, baby, we can't afford a child. And she looked at me clearly, and she said, we'll never be able to afford a child. You just got to do it. And we just adjusted somehow. And I find myself way more blessed financially today than I've ever been. What does that mean? You're never going to be able to afford trusting God with your finances. It's faith. But I promise you so much that I, 90 days, I'll give you your money back if it doesn't work. I promise you that if you trust God with your finances, he is going to bless them in a way miraculously that you would never believe. But you got to hear my heart. It's not so that you can put it in storehouses and be some rich person. It's so that your needs can be met and that you can be used by God to meet the needs of others. He's terrible at math. And I'm so glad he is. Because he can do more with my 90 than I could ever do with my 100. And I'm learning that I, he can do more with my 80 and my 70 and my 60 than I can do with my 100. And so my prayer for you, church, is that very humbly you would ask God, help me experience this side of you. I'm telling you, I went to church for many years before I ever trusted God with this. Many years. Because I was very scared of that, that step of faith. And I tell you with all my heart, and I think that there are people in here who have trusted God financially that would tell you the same. If you step out in it, you will not, for, you will not regret it. I say this and I promise I'll close. I've never had a person in my life tithe that I knew that tithe that stopped tithing. Never. Because once you experience the blessing of God, you don't want to stop it. Why would you? If God has met every need I have by me giving this 10%, why would I ever take the risk and not do it? Am I right? Would you stand with me? Let's pray and we'll close. We'll worship together. So I say again what I said at the beginning. As you leave, you'll get one of those cards. I really encourage you to pray about it, think about it, talk about it with your family. But most of all, would you pray about it? I never want you to leave here and do something because Troy said it. So go home and ask God about it. And if I'm speaking out of turn, God will tell you but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And I'm telling you to trust God. And I believe your life's going to be changed. Father, I thank you right now for your faithfulness. I thank you that not only did you send Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be saved and spend life in heaven, but you care about us while we're on earth. I'm so thankful that not only do you want us to have enough money to be able to pay our bills, but you also want to use us to bless other people. There's nothing better, Father, than being able to be used to meet someone else's need 
That's all you want to do. I thank you that you start with the solution and not the problem. I thank you that five plus two to you is 5,000, even though five plus two to me is seven. And I just think somebody in this place this morning needed to hear that. Because maybe tithing is the last step they need to take to fully surrender to you. And they've been worried to do it because they just look at the numbers and they say, well, I can't afford it. Can't afford it. But your word is very clear, Father, that if we'll make you the first fruit, you'll bless the rest. And we have an opportunity to test that. Your word says, test me in this. And we can do that. So I pray right now, every person in this room, every person watching online, every person listening to our podcast, that they would turn this over to you and trust you fully and that we would have an incredible amount of testimonies of your faithfulness. Listen to me real quick. The best, the best miracle God ever did for us was to send Jesus Christ to die for our sins. So if you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, before you ever think about tithing, you need to accept Christ as your Savior. If that's you, you can do that We'd love to come alongside of you and walk with you. Father, thank you for today. Just take a moment, about 30 seconds if you're in here. Could you just give God praise for a second, however you might do? Just worship him for a second. Thank him. Those of you that you've already seen him faithful in your financial life, thank him. Those of you that know he's faithful, you know he's faithful, praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you this morning. We worship you. Thank you for letting us gather today. Let us for, thank you for letting us be able to be in your presence. Thank you for the way you've provided for us as a church. Thank you for every person that makes up victory. Thank you for the impact that we've been able to be in our community, that we've been able to be at in, in globally. Thank you for Katie Carter. Thank you for, the, for Isaiah 117. Thank you for Scott Horton Ministries. Thank you for Empowerment Incorporated. Thank you for the YMCA. Thank you for Second Harvest Food Bank. Thank you for every area that we've been able to be a part of because you bless it. I want to say this, and then I want y'all ready to sing? Because I got to say this, I'm walking off. Look at me. Very first time we launched, very first day we launched this church, we started tithing as a church. Did you know that? We started putting aside 10% of everything we brought in and we gave it away. That's how we've been able to support the KDs and the Empowerment Incorporated and all that. And when we were able to accept this building, it was because we had, we had, we had stewarded our money so well that the people we were renting from it saw that we were legitimate. God took what we didn't have and outgave us. But I'm convinced it's because from day one as a church, we tithed. Day one. Come on, give God praise. Thank you. And I just believe it's what we're supposed to do. Darla and I do it personally. We do it as a church. It's a principle we do. And I'm telling you right now, I promise you, it will change your life. If you just step out and test it. Father, thank you. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.